Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. You might think you're still listening to the intro, but nope, I just can't get Bruno Fernandez out of my head. He's absolutely killing it. It is episode 97 of the United Pubcast. You are with your host, Larry Taylor, and I've got with me Tom Simpson, who watched the game on delay. But Manchester United have beaten Brighton Hove Albion. 3-0. Again, we're becoming 3-0 FC, Tom. Remember 4-0 FC? It's 3-0 FC now. Well, I think the 3-0 FC looks a little bit more complete than the 4-0 FC, if I have to be honest. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we'll get into it, but let's not waste any time. Uh, let's look at the team selection. It's the exact 11 that beat Sheffield United, speaking in the rhythm of 3-0. What did you make of the selection, and did it surprise you? I know we were saying we thought Bruno might actually come out of this one. Yeah, well, my hunch was, or not so much my hunch, I was thinking if I was the manager, I would probably rest Bruno for this just in regards to, not that he definitely deserves, not that the game against Norwich was poor by any means, but I just think after 120 minutes and the games we've definitely got to need him for in the future, I think this was an opportunity to rest him. But obviously Solskjaer has seen this as almost a must-win game, and I think it was pretty much full strength. Um, We'll get into Mason Greenwood, who I think now has almost cemented his spot on that right-hand side above anyone else. And um, you look through the rest of the team, and that is pretty much full strength. I don't think... Anyone can argue. Maybe there's a spot of left back up for grabs, but I think Luke Shaw was better today as well. Yeah, definitely. And look, let's talk about Greenwood. Um, He obviously opened the scoring. He's becoming very renowned for those stepovers. People say he reminds reminds you of Van Persie. For me, he's kind of like a hybrid between Van Persie and, dare I say it, Cristiano Ronaldo. Just the way he does the stepovers with the ball and the way he shoots early, it's brilliant. Overall, very good game. What did you make of Mason's goal? When he got that ball, I forget who played it into him. It might have been Wan-Bissaka or Pogba. I forget, someone played the ball into him. And he's back to goal, sort of near the corner of the box. And that shouldn't be any danger. It's a little bit of a dangerous area, but you're not thinking goal. Sort of, or, or Brighton definitely weren't thinking, OK, this could be a goal. But as soon as he turned, you knew he had that in his mind. Thought, and you just were watching, you think, he, he's going to try and score here. And it almost wasn't a surprise that he scored. You can see him line up the defender... And you can see, you can almost visualise it. He shifts him to the left so he can shoot to the right. And um, it's almost like a computer game where you've almost got that cheat code where a shot will always go in. And he just has that habit of sending the keeper's eyes one way and just smacking it into the near post. And he also has that ability to curl it to the far post if he needs to. But the timing he has to hit that ball low and hard to the near post catches the keeper off guard every single time. And Matt Ryan is obviously a very good goalkeeper. But um, it, my main point there is just it was not a surprise when he got that ball from such a difficult angle that he scored. That's now his 13th goal this season. And when you consider his 18 years of age, that's the prospect of what this guy could be. It, it is, it's terrifying, but it's exciting as a Manchester United fan. also said, the commentator said that he's the first teenager for United to hit double figures since Norman Whiteside. That's correct, yeah. And the first teenager in the Premier League to score... Nine goals since uh, Wayne Rooney back in 2003, I think it was, or even prior to that. It was when he was with Everton, so, so unreal. Does con- so does that confirm Greenwood is over Martinelli? For me, it was never a debate. I mean, look, banter aside, I think Greenwood, it's scary how good he is. But let's talk about Greenwood a little bit. I want to stay on him because obviously we're linked with Sancho and we're seeing some poker going on between Dortmund saying... There's no coronavirus discount. We want 100 million. Then United have responded by saying we're not paying more than 50 million. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think both te- both clubs are playing their cards in this one. 
um, as we move towards that transfer. United haven't hidden their interest, but damn it, Greenwood's making a case. Tom is making a case to say maybe you don't need a Sancho. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, I back it. Look, if Jaden Sancho signs tomorrow, I'm extremely happy. I think it would be a perfect signing for United, and I'm definitely not against it. However, it's such a similar case in terms of Mason Greenwood and Jaden Sancho. You put you cast your mind back to when Jaden Sancho was at Manchester City, similar age, but obviously wasn't getting the game time, so left for Dortmund. And we're thinking, well, if we bring in Jaden Sancho, well, what's going to happen to Greenwood? Will that limit Greenwood's time? And then suddenly Greenwood's in two or three years. He's the one who's gone to Dortmund or he's the one who's gone to Barcelona or whatever. And then we've got to try and buy him back like we did Paul Pogba because Greenwood will cost $200 million if his form um, sort of, if he continues to develop the way he is. So I don't know if I'm sort of against the Sancho deal just because the comparison is so similar for Greenwood coming through and that talent, they're obviously coming through the England setup at that age, they're the two sort of the hot prospects that England are sort of pinning their hopes on. Not just England, but the two Manchester clubs were doing so. And obviously it has worked out well so far for United's half in terms of Greenwood. Obviously City lost Sancho. But in regards to would I not go for Sancho now that we have Greenwood? Look, in terms of... Look, it almost hurts. We haven't really touched on it, but Liverpool did win the title. And as soon as Liverpool won the title, I was thinking my mind, my mind sort of just shifted straight away and just said... Okay, it's not about being good now. We have to go and stop Liverpool winning the league. And the way to do that is to go win it ourselves. And you, to win that, you have to go and buy the best players. So, look, I, I hold no sort of grudge against Sancho, but Mason Greenwood, for me, he does look like he's going to be a superstar. And uh, yeah, almost like the Dean Henderson and David De Gea debate last week on 50-50. Absolutely split on it. I don't think it's as clear-cut as that, personally. I mean... I think we all agree Mason's going to end up as a striker. And he's obviously got that wonderful instinct in front of goal. Now, what the wing or, you know, the introverted winger, if you like, allows him to do is it supports his development. It takes away that pressure of being back to goal and gives him a little bit more space, which he's obviously flourishing in. But I think if we see his future as a number nine, then we need to give him more opportunities centrally. And I think the signing of Sancho means we get a ready-made replacement on that right-hand side. The, the biggest issue with United, and I know we're playing brilliant football at the moment, but at, we just struggle to maintain width. And I think with Sancho, you get someone who can genuinely hold that width on that right-hand side. And it's an area we've struggled with since, I'd argue, Antonio Valencia in maybe 2011. So, you know, for me, it's a must. And if you refer to what Solskjaer said this week with Martial, which were very interesting comments, you know, I believe in Martial and Rashford, but it's up to them. Um, and if you want to be at this club, you have to know that you need to compete for positions. So, look, I, I still think get Sancho in, but I don't think that hurts Greenwood in any way. Another superstar of the game. Let's talk about that. Second goal. Um, Bruno Fernandes, I mean, we, we started the podcast by saying we thought he should have been rested. Um, but again, we saw the Pogba-Bruno partnership come together again. Pogba with a nice layoff, a bit of a deflection, but Bruno finishes nonetheless. What did you think of the goal? Well, before the goal, and again, I only watched the match, I only finished watching the match 20 minutes ago. Remind me, I haven't seen too many replays, but Luke Shaw looked a mile offside to me, but you you're, you were saying before we went on air that he was definitely onside. Yeah, so, um, I forget his name, the centre-half, the, the left centre-half for Brighton, his, his heels put Shaw onside. Um, it, it was dissected live during the game. Okay, because when I was watching back, they just showed the one sort of freeze replay, then they had the goal celebrations, and I thought they'd go back to the VAR sort of replay where they get out the lines and everything, but that that, um, def- that didn't come on my stream, so 
Um, not complaining at all. It was, uh, first of all, good play by Luke Shaw. It was a shame that sort of he sort of crossed and did, from memory sort of missed a few plays and obviously fell to the feet of Paul Pogba. And yeah, it's almost what you want. We've all sort of wanted a Pogba, a Pogba assist for a Bruno goal. Okay, it wasn't a clean strike of the ball, but um, they're definitely on the same wavelength, I think, not just in terms of in and around the box, but further deeper as well. The controversy, well, that wasn't the only controversy with this goal. Um, in the lead-up to it, um, it, the replay suggested that Greenwood had, in fact, taken the ball out of play, but uh, VAR had ruled that uh, it was out of play 32 seconds prior to the goal. So anything more than 30 seconds, they say, you know, Brighton had their opportunity. I obviously, for biased reasons and non-biased reasons, think that that was the right outcome. But, Tom, geez, if we want to talk about assists for a goal... Oh, can we talk about that third one? Bruno Fernandes, but the, oh, the ball from Matic. My goodness. Look, I, look, I might be overreacting. Correct me if I'm wrong. And in the last five, six years, there's been some fantastic strikes by United players that have ended up in goals. But maybe there's an overreaction, but I think that's the best goal since um, Fergie's left. Since that Arsenal counter-attack, can you name a more classic Manchester United goal than that? There was one, uh, and in fact, it was still under Solskjaer that I can think of. The first game uh, he had in charge against Cardiff, there was a goal we scored. I think Lingard finished it. And there must have... Sorry, Martial, yes. A couple little passes, yeah. There was about five one-touch sequences of play before Martial finished, and it was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I think this has to be a a good contender, and it it just straight away my brain was thinking of that Arsenal away uh, game in the Champions League. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it had lots of reminiscence. And what I liked about this, the dynamic between Rashford and Greenwood, they seemed to switch uh, more than once um, on each flank. And Greenwood showed he some class from the left-hand side. A brilliant cross. So Greenwood tops his performance with an assist and a goal. And it's funny because people are saying Fernandez was man of the match. So, but what, um, pass, what pass was better for you, the Matic pass or the, the cross from Green, um, Greenwood? I'm going to say the Matic pass, to be honest, because uh, if he doesn't get that ball exactly right, I think the time that Fernandez has to finish, I think the time that Greenwood gets to put in the cross, because to be honest, like this is the lack of quality we've had out wide, isn't it? Like We expect those balls from coming in from the wide areas, but we just haven't had that quality there. So um, yeah, I've got to say Matic, I'm full of praise for him. Like I know we haven't got him on our notes here, but... Um, I just want to say, Tom, he was, again, absolutely brilliant. Very Carrick-esque. Maybe not the final ball or capable of the final ball that Carrick did. Like, you know, that dent into the final third from deep. But, damn it, mate, he's really rewinded the years. And this break seems to have done him well more than anyone. Uh, let's go into the three two ones. Um, I'm sure that Matic might come up in this one. But who was your man of the match? Because you could make a case for a few players. Look, look, Bruno scored two goals, however, I think it has to be Mason Greenwood. I think that's Greenwood's best performance in the United shirt. Um, he's obviously got the goal, a fantastic goal, a great assist, and I think his performance in general was, um, yeah, as I said, the best he's done for United in his short career, and he's sort of seemingly breaking records every time he steps on the pitch now in terms of youngest goal scorers, and as we mentioned, the teenage goal scoring record. So it has to be Greenwood for me. I'm actually surprised you said Greenwood because everyone online is talking about Bruno or Pogba, but I'm with you, mate. I just I thought Bruno, this might sound harsh actually, uh, but I thought at times he was actually quite wasteful with his passing. Um, 
Overall, I'm not saying, like, of course, he had a really good performance and he scored two goals at the end of the day. But Greenwood, everything he did was quality. His dribbling, uh, the way he kept the ball, his back to, back to the defense, the assist, everything. Very well-rounded performance by Greenwood. And we're seeing a real maturity there. So I'm with you. Let's give him the three points. So at number two, I guess that's almost a foregone conclusion after the mini-debate we've just had. Yeah, well, all of these two goals get him there, and um, so, yeah, so an easy two points there for Bruno. But I think from your discussion there, or from the point you've brought up and what I'm thinking, I think we might have a different contender for one point. Who have you got for one point? Oh, well, look, it is a hard one. I personally want to give it to Matic. Um, 93% pass completion. He's played a really key pass in the build-up to that final goal. And I just think what he's done since he came off the bench in that Spurs match and since, he's been key to everything we're doing with the ball. Like, he's outstanding. Again, the tempo in the FA Cup, like when he comes on, he's so key, Tommy, and he's allowing Pogba and Bruno to flourish. For me, he's certainty for the one point. So I'm keen to see who you have if it's not Matic. Well, you might think I'm dreaming because this is maybe a little bit out of left field. I thought Wan-Bissaka had his best performance in, obviously, months. We haven't played in months, but I th- I, that's the best I can remember him playing for a while. Yeah, Wan-Bissaka was brilliant. Um, look, that's the thing. I, I think if, when you look at performances like this, when you're winning 3-0, you're not going to just have three good players. Um, but for me, it's just, could you have won that game with Wan-Bissaka's performance? Or, sorry, could you have lost that game with Wan-Bissaka's performance? The answer to me is Yes. But could you have lost that game with Matic playing the way he did? For me, no. And because he played such a key part in that third goal, I think that's why you have to give it to Matic. He had more of an impact on the game. Uh, I think. That, look, have I, I convinced you? There. You convinced me, but not only that, I think just in terms of agreeing, in terms of not only the impact on the game, but the impact he's having on the team shape, especially with Pogba and Bruno, I think, okay, that's not enough in an individual game to get your point. But he is just setting the platform for United to go forward, and um, long may it continue. Because yeah, I remember you know, six months ago, we we're probably both screaming for him to be first on the transfer list. Yeah, well, um, I, maybe I should take up a career as a car salesman. I'm, I'm happy I've turned you there. But one point to Nemanja Matic. Um, so Tom, I'll give it to you actually to go through our loyal listeners' comments on social media. Yeah, actually, yeah, just logged online now for the first time. So we'll look at Facebook comments. We'll go Facebook comments today. We've got Adrian Brett said, a lot of people are saying that Bruno was a man of the match, but for me, Wambas Harker was a real standout. So there we go. Adrian agrees with me. He never gave up on the ball, which ultimately proved crucial in the build-up to our second goal. He also got the assist for our first goal. And um, I think the commentator made that point throughout the game that he made the, he's made the most tackles this Premier League season out of anyone. Yeah, yeah. I think he topped it last season as well. Yeah, so Robert also on Facebook. A near-perfect first half, exactly what I wanted from the boys to get a few goals to control the game and give Bruno Pogba some rest. Let's hope some results in the Leicester vs Chelsea games help us more. His three two ones were well the same as mine. Mason for three, Bruno for two, and he also had one Basaka for one. So um, Matic has um, done well to get a point there. The two people agree with me for one Basaka so far. But um, Josh has also said, I think there is definitely a strong shout for Matic in the sense that he did some of the simple stuff without dicking about. Very Carrick-esque, as you just mentioned before. Bruno and Greenwood are obvious shouts as well. Um, George has also said, the squad is starting to reap the rewards of his fitness training done over the break, especially Bruno and Maguire. Four games in 12 days and only 10 minutes of football missed between them prior to kickoff. 
Um, and Adam from the Supporters Club also said Mason Greenwood is the first player since Wayne Rooney to come into the Premier League as an 18-year-old and score six goals in his first season. Rooney scored nine. Will Greenwood break this record? It's almost guaranteed. Um, Mason will break that, I think. Well, if we're talking purely Premier League, how many games do we have left now? Six? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah six-ish, I guess. Yeah, so it's tight. It's a tight one. Um, it, would, it wouldn't shock me if you did. A goal every two games. I mean, look, it just depends how much he plays. That's my only concern. Can he do it? Absolutely. But if I was a betting man, I'm going to say maybe he ties or falls just short. Mm. Yeah, but that's all the comments. So thank you, everyone, for getting the comments on. I stayed the whole day offline, avoiding the match. So it was good to um, log on and see some positivity when I got home because it's quite quite a tough day spending the whole day off your phone. You ever done it before, Larry? Yeah, probably when I was five and they didn't exist. Um, Tom, before I, we move on, I actually just something I've, I've thought of, and perhaps, I don't want to say it's a low light, but has it in fact, is it clear that we, there's a clear lack of quality depth in this team? I mean, I don't want to go too hard on Dan James or Andreas Pereira, um, but we saw those players rotated on um, towards the back end of that second half. And you have to say, there is a genuine drop-off in our performance when those players come in for Rashford, Martial, uh, Bruno, Pogba, etc. Is that a concern in the run-in? It's a concern, but I think it's not a concern when you're winning games. And if our team is performing well... Um, it is not a concern. However, I was thinking about that. And I look, look, unfortunately, who's the best team in the country? It's Liverpool. Liverpool don't have great depth. Look, look, if there's front three getting injured, they, they've got Shakiri coming in, I think he's there, or Divock Origi. But the, the quality and depth you know, is sort of scarce throughout the league, I think. I think to win a league now, you need the best 11. It used to be 10 years ago, you had, used to have the best squad. You don't have to have the best squad now. You have to have the best 11 and keep them fit. Now, obviously, a great squad will sort of benefit you and will help. but um, And we definitely do need to improve the depth of our squad 100%. But um, a concern, I think, especially in today's game, as you mentioned, Dan James, I thought when he came on, the game was over 3-0. And, okay, it looks like he should set up a few goals, but I think it was a little bit hard done by like, maybe the ball getting stuck in between his feet. And you can say that's an issue of quality. But I don't think the quality is as bad as in terms of, okay, if we drop down the list and go Andreas Pereira, Jesse Lingard, etc., Phil Jones. Yes, they're Deadwood who need to sort of leave the club, ideally. But in regards to the fringe players who are coming in, sort of like a Dan James, a one matter, Eric Bailly, Brandon Williams, Diego Delo, I think that's more than fine. Obviously, if we can improve, that's great, try and improve. But I don't think it's the real concern at the moment. I think we need to just sort of sharpen up those one or two areas in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and look, assuming that, and that's the benefit of this five substitutions, I think it's benefiting the stronger clubs to do these rotations when they are in a winning position. So look, I'm not complaining, and uh, it means we're keeping our stars fit. And one more touching point, and again, I don't mean to be negative, but look, if we're if we're being calling it down the middle, I think it is worth highlighting. Marcus Rashford, I'm yet to see a convincing performance from him, and... While it's only his fourth game back, I'm getting a little bit concerned he's getting left behind by his teammates. He just still seems to be off the boil. Is it a concern for you, his performances? 
I think it's how we mentioned it in previous ones where everyone's had this long break, but you need to look at Marcus Rashford's had even a longer break with technically a broken back. So I think we do need to cut him a little bit of slack in terms of getting up to fitness, but I think it almost does look like that. It almost looks like a, maybe not a fitness issue, maybe a confidence issue, and regards a little bit of hesitancy in regards to his injury, maybe not wanting to go 100%. I remember that being the case with Luke Shaw when he came back from the leg break. And I'm sure a broken back or a fracture in the back will sort of play on a player's mind. So, yeah, he looks just a bit short on confidence and nothing a goal won't fix, I don't think, though. I just want to see him back himself a little bit more. He's obviously rapid. He's got wonderful technical ability. I just want to see him go towards a defender and run at him. That's his strength, and I just feel like he hasn't been doing that as of late. He is getting his head up more and looking to play key passes, which is great, but I just want to see that bit more from him because he is capable. Uh, Tom, Angel Gomez. Um, Mason Greenwood in his first goal did the little A sign with his hand, and that was a tribute to Angel Gomez if you followed Instagram. And he said, like, obviously it looks like they've made some sort of pact where he said, I'm going to dedicate a goal to you if I get on the score sheet. Um Mixed reaction on this one online. Some people think there's going to be a Pogba scenario 2.0. Some people say he just hasn't cut the mustard. Uh, what are your feeling on uh, Angel Gomez leaving Manchester United? Yeah, I think it's one of those. It's a, it's a shame because you look at his ability, fantastic ability. But you can have all the ability in the world. You need to go and produce for the first team. And as much as we love him and we sort of look at it through red tinted glasses, but when does Angel Gomez perform for the first team? And we can also say, well, he hasn't been given the chance. Well, he's been given the chance to prove himself in the 23s for the last two seasons, and he hasn't really done it. Players like Brandon Williams, Mason Greenwood, Scott McTominay, James Garner, even Dahith Chong even, are ahead of him in that because they've performed better at reserve team level. Angel Gomez, unfortunately, hasn't. And I've seen so, yeah, so much of the reaction online was really over the top and sort of... Look, we don't want to mention him too much, but Goldbridge, who has such a big voice on this, on sort of amongst United fans, rightly or wrongly, he's gone in hard saying, oh, this is a sign of the club. We're not built into the future. We can't keep hold of our young players. It's a disgrace. It's a disaster. The club's going backwards. There's no mention of Brendan Williams signing a contract, Tahith Chong signing a contract, Mason Greenwood signing a contract, Marcus Rashford signing a contract. Unfortunately, some of these players are going to have to go. We can't fit 30, 30 academy products into our first team. Angel Gomez maybe sees a sort of a pathway into a first team somewhere else. Fair play to him. I hope he does well, but can't say I'm going to lose any sleep over it. I 100% agree. Um, all the talent in the world, but like you said, he hasn't been killing it in the 23s for two seasons now. So if you can't kill it in the 23s, why should, why should Ole Gunnar Solskjaer pick you to be a starting midfielder in this team? Um, you know, and you. Some people might say you, he needs to be challenged. No, the the sign of a professional footballer is you take your medicine and you prove yourself. And with perseverance comes opportunity. He hasn't taken it, and like you, I wish him all the best. I hope he goes on to become a world class midfielder somewhere. But do I think that that will happen? I don't think it will. Um, Tom, we've obviously the games are still coming thick and fast. You think you're going to get a break? It's not going to happen. Um, we've got uh, Bournemouth. Is that at Old Trafford? I'm pretty sure it is. It is, yes. Old Trafford, Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. It will be midnight for us here in Sydney. But um, what do you think in terms of squ- uh, squad selection? Do you expect the same starting 11? Maybe a Fred or a McTominay to come in for Matic? It's a hard one because, again, I think there's a bit of a gap between the next game. The league game after that is maybe the best part of a week, five or six days away. So 
I think it might go full strength, and full strength is what we saw. I think Mason Greenwood on the right, I think it would be near impossible to drop him at the moment. Um, do you really want to tamper? Look, I, I potentially, again, maybe maybe I'm wrong in saying this, maybe rest Bruno. I know I said that the last one in the here he's gone and scored two goals, but it's going to have to come a time he's playing every single minute almost. So it was, it was probably good for him to get it, um, half an hour off this morning, but I wouldn't be opposed to resting Bruno. Um, maybe give Pogba a little bit more of a license to go forward and then, then you can bring in a McTominay or a Fred to sit with Matic. But um, other than that, I think given the situation and given the... Obviously, we haven't seen the results from tomorrow's from tomorrow's games yet, but given the results, it'll be another important game. So um, pretty much full strength for me. Yeah, I'm with you. 100% agree on Mason. I think he's he's cemented his spot on that right-hand side now. Um, you know, Dan James didn't take his opportunity in that Spurs match, and Greenwood's taken his with every hand, with with his with both hands. So good on him for that. Uh, do you do you think that'll be a tricky one, or do you expect us to get the three points? Look, with with the comp, usually uh, in the last three or four years, this is the game we think, oh god, here's another boring nil all draw, one all draw at Old Trafford. But like last week against Sheffield United, I said we're confident. I was confident of a four nil win. I think we won three nil. This one I was very confident. I was confident against Norwich. It's good to just have this confidence back. And United at home to Bournemouth in our form again. Yeah, I'm probably thinking three or four nil again. Well, they're in the relegation zone as it currently stands, so they're not doing too well at the moment. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm expecting a win for sure. Uh, so I mean, if I look at their last few results, they're oof. Like since the since football's returned, they've gone two losses on the on the drop. So. Yeah, I'm expecting 3-0 FC to continue. Hopefully 4-0 FC. Who knows? Um, let's let's just say Rashford breaks his duck for this one. You feeling that? Maybe I'm not feeling it, but I'm definitely hoping it because he, he needs it, and I think United definitely need it, and it would almost be good because, look, he's not getting stick to the level that Dan James is getting, but in regards to all the positive press he had weeks ago, and, and rightly so, and long may that continue, it's almost like it's dying down now and people are starting to use it against him in terms of, oh, we should have been concentrating on football, which is a complete nonsense. But it would be nice just to sort of get the focus to almost just put another positive spin back on it because, yeah, we need Marcus Rashford fit and firing. I say this tongue-in-cheek, but if a goalkeeper saves a Marcus Rashford shot, it's it's possible that goalkeeper just hates children. Um, but nonetheless, I think we will leave the podcast there. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, we will be with you to review the match against Bournemouth. It'll be a 3-0 win. I'm certain of it. And hopefully that comment does not come back to bite me in the backside. Tom, chat to you then. Yeah, I'll be there. Cheers. All right, cheers.